0: And um, British Strongman podcast. So today we've got uh, we've compiled some of the questions that people have answered, uh, written in our um, box on our Insta story. So one of the questions that, uh, that Shane keeps on getting asked is about peptides. So uh, I'll ask what one of the lads has uh, messaged me. They said, this is from Jake E. Strongman. Jake and Tussle, is put, when ROID guys go on about peptides, especially what with regards to injury, what are they?
1: Right. Yeah, Jake asked me that as well. Um, well, basically, um, I'm assuming mainly they're going to be referring to BPC and TB500. So a peptide is just... Um, like a a link of amino acids, like amino acids linked together in a chain to create a specific reaction in the body base, basically. Um, And they release growth factors and stuff like that, like IGF-1, and they do quite a lot. It's like quite complex what they do in the body. But realistically, what you need to know is that the BPC-157 is kind of like for soft tissue injuries, similar with TB-500, so it basically just helps speed up the body's response to healing soft tissue injuries um it's not good for like say say you were to detach a bicep for example it can't do anything there because you know it needs it needs reattaching so it's not like a miracle cure it's also not really good for for joints and it's a little less effective for for tendons and stuff like that so it still works but it's it's not quite as effective as like an actual muscle tear um the thing with bpc and tb5 is they've got a place where they're kind of useful but i think um i think recently especially with with my clients i mean people seem to think that it's this like first go-to thing they've always got to tell people like no 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 like i mean i've made videos on it in the past and the problem is to me it's common sense so i don't say it (laughs) but um the thing is, if you get an injury, the first point of call is find out what it is. You know, go to a physio, find out what it is, uh, get a rehabilitation plan in, in, in you know, set in stone, and then get your program to be in line with your injury. Yes,
0: well, I'm, I'm going to interrupt there, Shane, and that that's what I would say with my, with my yeah, uh, my when when people get niggles and injuries and stuff, providing it's not like a fucking. Oh, I've just uh, torn my peck or something like that, like badly. Like if it's just general kind of inflammation or whatever, pe- people are not recovering well. Like I-, I think the first thing that we need to look at as coaches is, is the programming. And that's hundred yeah, percent. A- yeah. And, and that's the thing that if people say, Oh yeah, well feeling good. I've hit my numbers, but my, my left knee has been pulling for the last two weeks that gives us as coaches so much information that we can say, right, all the stuff that is going to cause this kind of, or take away from the knee recovery bank account for the next little two week block or whatever, what can we do? That's going to back that off. And, um, and I think that as, as athletes and um, uh, like like people need to take ownership of that and actually think that, like, like it really frustrates me actually, when people ask me, People ask me quite a bit, actually. What What are your uh, recovery methods? What recovery methods do you do you recommend? Do you like uh, ice bath, hot and cold? What do you do? You go for massage, like. And um, my, my number one my number one answer is actually um, manage the manage your your recovery in terms of your programming um, proactively, rather than reactively treat something. You know, like say, right. Well, I get I'm prone to getting my my shoulder flaring up or whatever, uh, and then reactively treat that when it's symptomatic. Like, what what can you do? Can you take ownership and actually prevent that happening in the first place by managing your volume in your programme? And 99% of the time, like, we can. What, what, what would you say about that, Shane?
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree. It's just that B, BPC's got this place where it's like, Let's say you're peaking to the northern qualifier, and um, Summit starts playing up, and you're like, "Can't, don't really have time to, you know, I've got to do it kind of thing if I want to do well. Yeah, I've got to push through." You then get to England, you then qualify to to England, and there's not enough time to rest, recover, manage, etc. You've got these options as like, well, I can either detrain this event which maybe it's a shit another you know, scenario is basically that crop up where it's yeah, like it could be great. useful you see what i mean yeah completely but people people the, the thing that i'm noticing and people have said it to me before where you're like you've recommended it too lightly and i'm like well no to me the reason why i've not said go because it's common sense that like you don't just get a bit of pain in your quad and then go i need bpc i've ordered bpc like that's the thing that people are treating wrong about it at the moment is yeah the first point of call is the peptide and it it shouldn't be the first point of call should be um to find out what it is first of all because pain doesn't necessarily mean soft tissue injury it it could be lots of things um so the bpc might not even work for example you know and um also, your training, volume management, etc., exercise selection, um, even just working around something for two or three weeks—like if it hurts to um, to do like a full range of motion press—you know, put a block there or something for just a week or two. You know, there's a, you know that is more sensible than taking BPC in that scenario because BPC and TB500—they're not; they are kind of side effect free, but they're not in a way because. Whenever, you, whenever you're taking something that elicits responses like IGF-1 and all these different growth factors, it can come with growth of tissue that you don't necessarily want to, to grow, like your heart, for example. So you don't want to make BPC like this chronic thing in your body all year round, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, want to, you want to use it at a certain point in time where it's like you get out of jail, kind of free card, <clears throat>
0: Um, yeah. So, so, so obviously, so where uh, it's situational and, um, so, so like a, a, a good example would be say first port of call would be like, if you're, you're in your kind of off season training program, you've got, you've got to prioritize getting your programming right. So you can, so you can work progressively harder each week and uh, go for that 1% of progress each week, but whilst, whilst managing recovery, but, yeah. but using this scenario, say for instance, like, say, me peaking for Brits last year or whatever, Brits under 90s, and um, there's a good chance at going for the... Attempting the, like, say, record dumbbell, for instance. Uh, But I might be getting a bit of shoulder pain or elbow pain or forearm pain or something. And if you weren't kind of in that kind of mindset of... I I don't know, some people might call it elite mindset or what. I'm not quite sure, but... Whereas you'd go to a doctor and you'd say, or a physio who doesn't understand the scenario, and you say, "Look, I'm in fucking agony. Can you help? Can you help me with the with the uh, with the elbow injury uh, or arm injury?" Um, And he's gonna say, "Oh well, back off the volume. Oh well, I can't because I'm six weeks out for this comp. I'm gonna be training it three three times a week at varied intensities. Um, Even if I feel like my arm's gonna drop off, I'm still gonna be I'm gonna be pushing through the pain barrier." Um, and I think that's an example of something like that kind of scenario where where you're in agony and you're really really suffering, but you're in that mindset where you're just gonna you're gonna push through regardless. Do you know what I mean, Shane?
1: Yeah, that's like I said, it's quite rare scenarios you can use it for, and also like um, injuries. Like say you did um, a bad injury that you know is like a muscle tear. Yeah. Uh, at that point in time, as well you know, you've still got to get the physio to find out what grade tear is it? How bad is it? What's the time I'm looking at? What can I do in training? What am I going to do to uh, actually help? Basically, it's like being natural. You you know, imagine you don't have the BPC. Do every single thing you can to help it recover and then add it on top. And it will drastically reduce the amount of time it takes to come back from that injury. But you don't just go, I'm going to pop some BPC in and sit around, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you've still got to do the blood flow work and strengthen the muscle and get some contraction for it, etc. And blood flow into it. Uh, it's just that that goes on top to to help it recover. But again, if you've got like a really minor tear, like a grade one yeah. or something, I don't even think it's needed. You know what I mean? But this is the thing I'm seeing at the moment with the peptides is.
0: So what? So so. Uh let's talk about a little, little psychological thing, actually. Right. So, from you, you coaching people who were who were enhanced and people who were not enhanced, like do you do you notice like a, like any kind of stigma behind these kind of behind using the these things? Like, say for instance, like say Jake, for instance, who, who might be might might think it. Oh well, I've heard about these peptides, but the thing in his head. He's thinking, oh, well, does that make me a roided, or do, am, am I a roided now if I do that? Or yeah, I mean, the thing with... is it an entry level? Is it what, what? What is it? What is it counted as? What's it? What's the? Um, like, well, this is the thing. It depends. When it, whenever you're talking about natural or
1: enhanced, or not natural and that, it's like dietary choices. When someone says I eat healthy, you know, to some people you have to be plant based to eat healthy. Other people they eat low carb. You know. Being healthy is, in a dietary sense, That's is literally it. opinion. And it's yeah. the same with gear. Like BPC is a peptide that has been created for you to, well, it's, it's for research purposes, but, you know, it, it's kind of, it's, it's job is to help heal, basically. As much as people hate to use that term with it, it does increase you the, the factors in your body that help heal soft tissue injuries. But it's not on the wider ban list. So does that-, that change? Does, you know what I mean. So it's like, oh, if it's not on the wider band list, I'm fine now. Some people think that. Other people will go, well, no, it's still, you know, an enhanced thing. It's still something that you're able to increase the rate your body does something.
0: Do, do you do you actually know? Like, could you could you take that and compete in, like, say, IPF or not? Or Am I way, way off with that? Yeah, but well, it's not it's not on the band list,
1: right? Um. So so yeah it's not on the, the water ban list. How sure are you about that? 100,000%. Right. Um, it, it may go on in the future, um, but at this moment in time, I mean, I haven't checked for about two or three months to be fair, but the last time I checked, it was still not um, not banned. And like I say, that sometimes sways people's opinion to, oh, it's fine, you know? Uh, but at the same time, it's still a drug. That increases your performance technically,
0: yeah. Because of- you know what, you know what, shame, I suppose going down the rabbit hole here a bit, aren't we? But, but that, that's that's like one of the big, what one of the massive things that you know, say, say, people in say, there, there are quite a lot of people like me out there who were like. A lot of people about, think about taking gear. They either think, "Oh yeah, it's fine," and you're fucking stupid if you're not doing it. If you're doing strongman, like you're holding yourself back. And then there's the camp that, uh, "Oh no, I don't want to. I don't want to take drugs like steroids is cheating and all that shit." Whereas there's quite a lot of people who were who kind of in the middle, like me. Like I'm not for nor against kind of using enhanced stuff and steroids and stuff like that. But like a big thing for me was like say getting into the lifting was like coaching people in uh, who competing like say uh, British powerlifting affiliated with IPF, British weightlifting, and um, the doping stuff that comes with that. The BDfPA, which don't really matter, does it? But um, so it's kind of because I've I've been like around like like i suppose for me in terms of taking stuff that are, like taking gear or whatever for me it's like it's just more convenient it's always been more convenient not to if that makes sense yeah you know what i mean like in terms of like business and social choices like it's not that i'm against it if you will or or that i won't consider taking it at some point in the future um but that—that's like wake up a little bit with it all because at the end of the day, um, like
1: most of it is just like, for example, let's say you, let's say you're an athlete who's been training a couple of years and you, you've you're doing, you're eating right, you're sleeping right, you're training right, but you're just not getting very strong and you don't feel very good and you're not seeing much muscle mass gains. And you get a blood test done. Are you fucking talking about me, Shane? <laughs> but you get a blood test done, you got crashed testosterone levels at 24, and if you supplement hormone replacement therapy like 140 mega every 10 days with testosterone, um, they start feeling good, they start growing tissue, they start getting stronger at the rate that they kind of were to be expected to get stronger at. Um, that that's now known as a medical condition. And, um, and this person is now allowed to compete in uh, certain federations and allowed to compete as natural because I mean not all of them do it, but I know I mainly know of the BPU because that's the Federation I compete in allows people to be on HRT and compete in the ABPU, which is the tested one. Now I don't think you're allowed to go to internationals with the ABPU because the international rule is slightly different for some reason, but they can still set British records and everything as a natural. Um, but Hormone replacement therapy drastically increases your performance from any natural person. So they're technically advanced now, but and enhanced now, but they are able to get away. You know what I mean? There's no like, there's no set ruling to it or anything. It's yeah, and it's just opinion based. Like a lot of if anyone follows YouTube fitness, loads of YouTube fitness guys are on HRT because they're able to basically say they're natural and promote a natural lifestyle but they've got this uh, steady bleed of testosterone all day, every day, um, keeping them basically enhanced. Because as a natural, your testosterone level can be crashed for a couple of hours. It can be average. It can be high. It's up and down all over the place. Whereas when you're on HRT, it's just steady and level all the way through the day. So no matter what's going on, you've got this steady bleed of hormones, which means that you've got a massive advantage over someone who is um, actually natural because they're going to be up and down all day. Uh, but for some people, that's enough to say, "Oh, that that puts my mind at ease. I'm natural. I've just got a medical condition." You know, you know what I mean. So, in my opinion, people just need to like wake up and just realize that performance enhancing drugs. All you're doing is manipulating the hormones in your body, really. It's just like you manipulate your macronutrient intake, just like you manipulate your volume and your frequency, etc., to get stronger. There's this other element to it where you can be like, as a human, if I make my hormone levels at this kind of ratio, I'll be able to express strength better and build more tissue, et cetera, and utilize nutrients better. So I don't think it's like a question of natural enhanced or not. It's more of a question of, are you willing to manipulate your hormones or not? Because then whether you take BPC, whether you're on HRT, whether you're doing any of these things, you've gone that. Side, you've crossed that line, and then you're taking out the fact that, oh, WADA said it's okay, or, you know, BP uses that can compete. It's like, well, you've still manipulated your hormones. So you've kind of crossed that line now, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Um, So, kind of building on from what we've talked about there about peptides, uh, someone said that they'd uh, like to hear a little bit more about about psalms about psalms yeah so can you give can you give us like a let, let's go for what another 10 minutes, shane roughly um and just give us a bit of a give us a, a crash course in uh, in psalms and say and use the use the case study use yeah you use me as a case study and say right, well, you, you know that I'm say my big goal this year is competing at worlds later in later in the year, uh, November. Um, you, you know that you you know that um uh, unenhanced currently, what what would uh, be the benefit of um, say going to like going into Psalms, Versus, like, so
1: basically, first thing I'll say is, psalms are new. They're a couple. They're, they're they're being researched on, and they're kind of, they're, well, a couple of years. You know what I mean? The years of research. What I'm trying to say is, they're relatively new. And I always say now, when I talk about psalms, if you listen to this in the future, because today's for uh, ninth of March, twenty one. So if you listen to this in the future. Things may have slightly changed because every now and again, new studies, new research comes out. And sometimes changes my view on stuff, which since the last time I
0: spoke about them, that's kind of happened, which is why I'm saying it. Yeah. um, And by the way, this is what this is why um, I don't mind repeating topics like we have covered this and we have we have talked about this before. But Shane and I do pride ourselves on learning and fucking looking back on what we've what we've said maybe weeks, months, years ago, and thinking, you know what, my opinion's changed on that, and this is what I currently think. So, for people out there who think they've heard heard this kind of stuff before, and may, maybe even people who think that, well, fuck me, you told you said you said this a couple of months ago, why has it changed? Like, this is kind of a what we're proud to do as coaches, isn't it, Shane? So, keep yeah, I mean, if, I always think if I look back in. I mean, some things I look back on and I'm like, yeah, that's the same. But
1: um, a lot of the time stuff changes, even if it's just slightly. Like the Psalms thing is just slightly. I'm just a bit more cautious with them now. But um, if I'm not always learning and things slightly changing, I'm thinking to myself, come on, mate, you're slacking on uh, learning, learning more stuff here. So anyway, so Psalms. So why are they different to steroids? Well, they're selective androgen receptors. So you've got these androgen receptors in your body. And it basically, they, they target specific ones that do specific things is the best way to think about it. Apart from Cardarine, which is marketed as a, as a psalm for whatever reason, but isn't a psalm. So I always say that, I'm sure everybody knows it by now. So Cardarine is the one that realistically, anybody can take. It's non-hormonal. It'll have amazing benefits for men and women. Um, so Cardarine, if you want to lump that in there, if I was ever to tell someone to take a psalm, I usually tell them to take carderine with something else or even just start on carderine. Why? Because carderine, again, it's just got no hormonal effects. So you don't need to worry about anything at all, really. The There is some studies that people will always reference where some rats got cancer from it. Um. But they were giving these rats, like, I think it was about the body weight in carderine a day. Uh, So for a human, you'd have to be (laughs) taking like fucking five tubs a day or something. Instead of one tablet, like a whole fucking tub, pulling more than that. It was a ridiculous dose anyway. And they ran it for like a year and they had like um, increased growth of cancer cells. But carderine does increase muscle protein synthesis and anything that increases protein synthesis. That's just the building blocks of any tissue. So anything that increases protein synthesis can technically increase the growth of a cancer cell. So it's a bit of a stupid argument, but you will always see the cancer thing floating around there. And uh, from the people I've learned off, I'm very confident that it's not an issue at all. Um, So I'd I'd, I'd happily say that. Uh, Unless you're taking a tub or two a day, then you're going to be completely fine. But what carderine does is basically kind of it's almost like directs the energy uh, store, like your fat and your carbohydrates that you're eating. It almost directs them and tells them what to do and where to go. Uh, so it, it increases like nutrient partitioning. So on cardine it's a good idea to, it, I, I, I personally find from experience it's better with carbohydrates. So you can alter your diet a little bit where you drop your fats and increase your carbs and um, it'll help basically shuttle the carbs for either energy or storage in the muscle. And that means that you can get some nice body composition changes because it's not being stored as energy as fat, it's, it's basically using the nutrients better. It also increases protein synthesis, so you're able to break down and use your protein for recovery more effectively. Um, it's very good on your blood levels. So blood levels, like your cholesterol and your blood lipids, etc., tend to get better, which uh, the other psalms are the opposite. They make them worse, which is why it's good to run it alongside because it kind of helps keep everything in a healthy range. Um, and also it's really good for like your aerobic capacity, your work capacity, your recovery between sessions. Um, just a brilliant, well, I call it a supplement, not a fucking psalm or drug. So I just call it a sup. So I think it's just a brilliant supplement that can be included for men and women. And you don't need to worry about uh, any like hormonal side effects. Basically, you don't need to worry about coming off it and needing the post-cycle therapy, none of that. So it's like a real nice entry one. It doesn't have any effect. It doesn't have a direct effect on strength, but over six to eight weeks, the the work capacity and everything kind of indirectly can add up to more strength because you've been able to do more work and recover better. Uh,
0: so I'd always start with a cardio, And then for me, I think that- Let, let me just th- think out loud and imagine this scenario. So cardio, I could expect it. So what would you, would you expect to be in better shape a bit more jacked? Uh, bit... I would expect someone to
1: look a little denser. So usually they look a little harder, the muscles, they're just filled with glucose um usually get a little bit of vascularity and even if they're not trying they tend to lose some body fat um and, and recomp because like i said just the nutrient partitioning effects and your body being more likely to grab stored fat as energy things like that um when, when you're moving and stuff so it can um, kind how of- do
0: you how do you find that this uh, people using this um you know Competing as like an open weight where the weight doesn't may, maybe matter as much to like somebody in the weight classes who needs to. Do you notice that? Does it does it help you lose weight? Does it does it make make you more prone to putting on weight? Like what does it have an effect on appetite or anything like that? That you not really not really an appetite. No, it obviously depends on the diet because
1: yeah, open weight strongman taking cardarine. If he's cramming calories in, he's not going to notice that the body composition changes. Um, but, but he will notice the aerobic benefits, like his blood pressure might drop his heart rest and heart rate might drop his blood levels might get better, which in turn makes him feel a bit m- more energy and feel better, less lethargic and uh, his recovery between sets, getting his breath back, little subtle things like that. Um, but they're, no- they're noticeable enough to be like, I know I'm on cause I just recovered from this set. Um, they used to in CrossFit, they call it tablet cardio. Because loads of CrossFitters, like, they've banned it in the CrossFit Games now, but loads of CrossFitters have been caught for cardering in, like, the... um, There's a guy who came, like, second who got a bus for CrossFit Games in, like, 2016 or something. Um, So, it's a popular drug in CrossFit because of its um, work capacity benefits. Wow. Um, So... Women will notice much better results than men just because pretty much anything a woman takes, I like to describe as 10 times stronger in a woman than a a man milligram for milligram. So so a woman takes five milligrams of cardarine. It tends to have a similar effect to like a man taking 50, which is like a high dose. So women don't need very much and they get a lot from it. So you can, you can, in women, you can notice a drastic uh, body composition change and, Also changing the way they look. Um, Pretty amazing in women, to to be honest with you. Uh, Men as well. And also the thing is, it's genetic depending. Some people take certain drugs. This is why I always say to people, like, sometimes you don't know if you can go worlds and you don't know if you're going to be this freak athlete until you take gear because some people take gear and they're, they're like a different human. They go from looking like they didn't have good genetics to suddenly you're a genetic freak. And it's just the way their body reacts to the drug and what it allows it to do. And other people I've seen have freaky genetics naturally. And you are thinking, Jesus Christ, what's going to happen when this person goes on and they go on and nothing really changes. And it's like, ah, okay. So it's, it's definitely a weird one with the, the, the Psalms and peds and stuff. Uh, but, but as a general rule, you'll get the body recomp changes and you'll feel a lot fitter and do more work. So when you come to add the, the next thing onto like your cycle, that's where you're looking at your thing that you want to give yourself the strength and recovery benefits. So Osterine is the most mild one uh, in terms of its side effects and its ability to shut your hormone levels down. But in my opinion produces really, really, really good results, especially for like a first time. And I see that cardine and Osterine together is a nice little dip in your toe into what it's going to be like if you were to use something a little stronger. Um, there is the potential you get shut down. It's very low. And again, if if Osterine shuts you down uh, badly, gear's not for you. You know what, what I mean. Do you,
0: what do you mean shuts you down?
1: So whenever you're putting in something like a SAM or a hormone into your body, your body can stop producing its uh, te- you know testosterone.
0: Ah uh, right, okay. Um,
1: but it depends on the actual drug and what it's doing as to how hard you get shut down. Ostarine is so mild that if you run it for a six to eight week course, it shouldn't really, it should drop your test level a little bit, but it shouldn't really crash you or shut you down. Um, So if you take Osterine and Cardrine and you have this crazy shutdown and you need to do a big post-cycle therapy and get loads of blood work done and spend four months sorting it, trust me, gear is not for you because as soon as you take something strong, you're going to be spending more time in post-cycle therapy than on cycle. So um, it's, it's probably not, not, like I say, some people just don't get on with stuff like this. Uh, these, these are the minority, but I've always got to say it now because since I've been saying stuff online, I get messages off the minority saying, I fucking took Austrian and I got no test. And I'm like, well, yeah, that is a risk. You know, that is a slight risk. Most people, 99.9% of people will not know it's a thing off Austrian. It will not shut you down at all. And you'll be fine. But there is the chance. It's always a roll of the dice. Um, so, yeah, carderina and osterine together at low dose. What to expect from the osterine? Great for it. Anti-inflammation, anti-inflammatory. So your inflammation will reduce, which, again, it's like an indirect uh, strength increase because you're able to do more. You know, your knees won't get as gammy. You won't need to deload as often. In fact, some people are like, "Holy shit! I didn't realize I've not deloaded or, or done any recovery this whole eight weeks I've been on. I've just been training and progressing every week and getting stronger." And that's not so much the osteomy making you stronger; it's just helping you recover between yeah, sessions.
0: And, and also, we, we know um, we know as well from talking in length and and in practice um, that it's not all about forced production gains. Is it? It's not all about force uh, producing more force to, especially in in strongman it's it's like about efficiency and skill and um so if you you can if you can do more work in any given time slot training cycle or even any given session and recover then you're going to accumulate more skill aren't you so like you say with the uh with the the cardarine, like um if people aren't necessarily um Feeling like they they feel like it, they, they've got loads stronger. They're gonna potentially if they have these effects that you say, like they're gonna be able to accumulate it more practice and more skill acquisition gains and stuff.
1: Yeah, and, and what I do with people is you should always time your, uh, you should always time your drug with a training phase that's synergistic to it, so you get the most out of the drug. So. Let's say you're doing cardering, you know it's not going to increase force production, you know you're going to be able to do more work, you know you're going to be able to recover between sets, etc. So if you were to do a block of, like, GPP or... Um... Yeah, that, that could be good after, like, a big comp or something, couldn't it? Like when you... Yeah, exactly. A, block, a GPP phase or just something where I think loads are lighter and you're focusing on acquiring and building loads of volume and skill card reading is going to help you do more in that block so that when you come out of it, you know, you've done hundreds more reps on everything than you would have done without it. And then that's when you can be like, right, I'm going to transition to a a peak now. So maybe you take a stronger Sam or drug that does help force production. So then what you've done is reaped all the gains of the card reading you your like accumulation block, whatever you want to call it. And as you go into like your intensification phase, you might add like a Rad 140 in or a stronger psalm to help kind of express those, that skill and volume that you've been building. And then you can get to, you know, a PB or whatever. And then you've kind of used two psalms with two different training phases that are kind of complementing each other.
0: Cool. So, last question. So, if I was wanting to be a fake natty and pretend I'm natty and uh, go and do like the, the tested, the tested comps and try and do well would be a fake like, netty. Like, like Matty Eilish? <laughs> like what, what would, uh, <laughs> what kind of time period would I need to to get this out of my system so it could be a fake netty in case it got tested? Um, I'm not really sure on Sam's benefit, yeah. I
1: don't know. It's not really my, uh... I mean, I know a little bit about passing a test but it's not like not like a full expert on it um no, it's not
0: something that you try to do or encourage no. yeah
1: so i don't really with psalms i don't really know i mean the half-life is uh quite short on a lot of them but in terms of detectable time i don't i don't know it, it's sometimes a little different to the uh it can be like 10 half-lifes um Which could be between two weeks to two months, depending, you know what I mean? It's uh, so, it's I don't know, basically.
0: Right, brilliant. Thank you very much. That was a good insight, Shane. Enjoyed that. I'll see you next week, mate. Cheers, Josh.